Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we explore strange new worlds, as we seek out new life and new civilizations, where we boldly go where people have gone before, yes, but maybe they didn't notice some things, they missed some stuff. So we're gonna go back there boldly and look around and see if we can't find some of the enlightening detritus. Plot a course to Vehafta 4 in the Tefillin system. Mr. Lou, what's our heading? Mr. Lou sounds like a British toilet paper brand. Well, Lieutenant Spinoza sounds like a philosopher officer. Why are you pronouncing it Lieutenant? Because you said I had to be Ensign because Lieutenant Lou sounds stupid. And I said, well, why not pronounce it Lieutenant? Like I'm a transfer from the British Space Drivers Association or something and you ignored me. Are you going to tell me our course or not, Lou? Oh, sorry, but you distracted me. Our heading is 0144 and I ate a Q parsecs. Captain Crunch, there's an alien ship approaching rapidly. On screen. I can't see anything hardly. Zoom in. Whoa, 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 that's too close. Isn't there anything in between? No, the knob only has regular and zoom. We could put it on regular and pull forward or put it on zoom and back way up. Your call. Uh, put it on normal and pull closer, I guess. Any idea what kind of ship that is? I'm guessing a spaceship. Just drive. Don, hail on all frequencies. Roger. Shortwave and alto. All frequencies. TV, AM, all frequencies, Don. Roger, and Wilco. It looks like the spaceship on the TV show Planet People. What's that? A show, and they use the same ship later in the movie Star Race. It looks like a giant Band-Aid tin. It does. It even says Band-Aid on the side. Man, I love that era of novelty spaceships when they made them look like giant absurd products. Big juicy juice bottles and honey bear squeeze bottles zooming around, space blasting each other with lasers. Captain, we're getting a hail from the Band-Aid ship. Put it on screen. Am I speaking to the captain of the USS Powerwalk? Yes, I am Captain Hardy. And who may I say is I am speaking with? Are you asking me who I am? Uh, yes. Oh, sorry. The translators are being weird. I am Captain Balaam of the medical cruiser Misha Bayrock. We are on a search and rescue mission to Verhofta 4. Well, that's where we're going. We should go together and split gas. Uh, what sort of search and rescue? We weren't aware anything was wrong on Verhofta 4. Well, there isn't. Yet! Captain, they're firing torpedoes. Shields up. Yarnell! Brace for impact. What the heck? Why did they fire on us? They're an invasion party in disguise as a Band-Aid ship. We're outgunned, Captain. Oh, it doesn't matter. They just spun out in that direction at warp 8. Warp 8? Dang, we'll never catch them. Open a channel to the Tefillin system and send the following message. Alert, warning, danger. A hostile invasion force is on its way to your system disguised as a hospital ship. Prepare defenses. All right, sent. Okay, well, I guess we're done. Well, that was easy. Exploring space is easy. The four of us beamed down to the planet's surface. When we got there, we all had different impressions of what we saw. I said, it is dry and arid like a desert. But she said, no, it is rocky like a 70s movie. Lou said, no, it's red, which the sky was like a newspaper. And Don, Don didn't say anything. He just looked around and said, this is interesting. We stood there for a while, confused about what we were supposed to do. You know, our atoms had just reassembled. They got taken apart, beamed from the ship onto the planet, and they take a little minute to recongeal. They don't tell you that in the civilian life, but we here in the Star Exploration Corps, we know that because we use that 
to transport ourselves and other things. Now you may ask, does this not sever your time worm? Are you still the same person if you're broken up like that and reassembled? And what exactly is reassembled? Is it just the information or is it the little particles? Or every time that you step into the transporter, are you destroyed? Does it just take a recording of where everything belongs, sort of a blueprint, and then reassemble it from other material that it finds maybe on site or something like that? Or maybe it 3D prints you out. Is it the same person? And so when you first land, you have these identity problems and you start talking about things like that sometimes problems of identity will even reference comic books like swamp thing that's a perfect example is the swamp thing the scientist who it was there's everything has been replaced in a sort of ship of theseus fashion philosophically who are we who is the landing party after a few minutes of that we tired because philosophy tires you out because of its lack of practicality. They say, oh no, philosophy is infinitely practical. It is if it's running in the background. If you're actively talking about it, you're starving. It's something that needs to be internalized and then applied. And so we did. And what philosophy did we uh, internalize and then apply in our landing party mission? Well, one that includes doing things even though they are pointless and we understood that life itself has no meaning and our mission probably in the grand scheme of things has no meaning as well but we set off with great purpose and great vigor and great enthusiasm because what else are you going to do especially in space like that and so we saw in front of us a cave now there is no cave on any planet anywhere that doesn't compel individuals to walk into it and oh, so many storytellers from Mark Twain to ancient rabbis, they have all said, in fact, they would collaborate on stories, Mark Twain and ancient rabbis, because of the time machine. And they would come up with these things and they'd say, oh, a rabbi and Huck Finn were hiding in a cave for years, 13 years they were in there. And we thought about that cave and others. And I remember that Butchie said, hey, these caves look nothing like Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. And I said, you're absolutely right. But we walked in anyway. Don suggested we might run into a, a minor 49er. And I asked, what do you mean? He said, a lot of times in these old caves, there will be miners who were here after the big mines were shut down looking for anything that was left. And I thought, well, if it's a coal mine, just one piece of coal isn't going to be much. And he said, no, it could be a diamond mine or a liquor mine. And I said, a liquor mine? Because yes, where they take liquor bottles out of, the, out of the stone. And I said, Don, I don't know that that's a thing. And he said, I'm pretty sure that everything valuable is mined, like cigarettes and diamonds and drugs. They all come out of a big wall of, of stone and granite. And I said, well, that doesn't sound exactly right. And he said, hear me out. Now, on Earth, that might not be the case, but a lot of times on other planets, they've had sort of a Pompeii situation where, oh, molten rock comes raining out of the sky. And where's that molten rock have to go if not on all the great things that we love? And so you'd go into a, a, a jewelry store and it'd be in, encrusted in rock. That's why a lot of the diamonds that come out of these mines on other planets have the ring on them. He said, that can't be. They're already cut. They haven't existed in their natural state for, oh gosh, billions of zillions of years. So far back, it's measured in distance. I remember that the first time that I ever went to sci-fi school to learn how to be one of these space pilots. I said, you know, I understand that some things are so far away, they're measured in time. And they said, also, some time is measured in distance. Like we talk about foot years go, I don't know what that is. And he goes, there's so much for you to learn, apparently. And certainly before you become a captain, I said, it's captain, no. And he said, captain, here it's captain. A lot of times, abbreviations, the language will change, you know, and evolve. And sometimes slang becomes standard language. And I didn't say English because we aren't speaking English. We have universal translators. A lot of things that were first suggested 
in, let's say, something like Douglas Adams, or before that in maybe uh, Jules Verne, or before that in Moses suggested some of these things. And he said you could have something that would translate other languages, a sort of uh, Babel thing, because Babel's in the Bible. Bible Babel was a thing, and this isn't Bible Babel. This is not biblical Bible Babel. This is something else. And what it is, it's ability to translate those languages, not just the words, but the, the feeling. Because a lot of times people don't say what they mean. So our translators, where if we encounter another ship, we'll try to interpret what they really mean. So if they say, we come in peace, sometimes that'll be translated as, we secretly hate you and want to make war. So then we know to immediately attack. Even though they're saying we come in peace, we know they don't mean it because of our universal translator. We walked into the cave. It was dark in the cave, but as you know, as space travelers, we have things on our belts. There is nothing more fantastic than a utility belt on, on, a, on the pants, around the waist of a space traveler. It's tactical times 10. So you see a lot of items are available that make you look like you're in the army or tactical things you might need if you're an army of one. Because a lot of times nowadays people say, hey, what if I have to be an army? What? Where am I going to put all my stuff? Like my water purifier and snake bite kit and I don't know, guns and knives and all those things. I have need a belt or some kind of utility uh, pants. Well, we have those in the Space Corps that we're in. We don't call it the Space Corps. I forget what we call it. Because it's a, a place that defies labels. Once you're out traveling space in a ship, you know, time can get away from you, first of all. So we're generations removed from the people who sent us on our mission. So a lot of times we forget what we're called, even. But we still have these belts, and the belts have a light source on them. And we call it an electric torch. You might call it a flashlight. And what is it made out of? It's made out of, it has a piece of the sun, and then it's in a tube. And I don't want to tell you what we use for the tubes. It's kind of nasty. Uh, we get them out of the back of magazines, but then we convert them. We say, we just take this part out, and you take the rubber part out and put a bulb in. And the bulb is, we use sun or star technology. Because we are star stuff. I say stuff because the actual word you can't say on the radio. But you know what I mean. Shave star, shaving cream. Uh, that's what we are, basically. And so we can use that to illuminate not only ourselves intellectually, illuminate our wisdom, we can illuminate literal caves. And so we walked into this cave and we lit up, well, meaning we smoked a little, and then we turned on our flashlights and we aimed our beams in there. Don reminded us of the 49ers. We didn't see any miners in there or anything. Uh, Butchie suggested there could be somebody still fighting a war but we wouldn't know because we don't know about the wars on this planet or who's still fighting what or when they were. So we wouldn't be impressed if someone says, I'm still fighting the great um, Paluna Ion War. And we'd say, we don't know when that was. Because that could be, if that was a week ago, maybe you're not so stupid. So we looked around for signs of life, you know, because sometimes in a, this is so funny because Lou said, I, if someone's living in here, we'll find their tent. And we laughed so hard. We said, why would they need a tent? And he said, to protect them from the Ella. Oh, you're right. You wouldn't need a tent because it's in a cave. That's hilarious. But then we were also reminded that a lot of times people would have, back in the day, on their big canopy beds, mosquito netting. So even though they were indoors, they might need sort of tent to be under. Lou reminded us of all this as we were laughing derisively. And he said, no, 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 no. Um, uh, listen, uh, you might be, there might be a tent in there. We don't even know. Somebody might have to sleep in a box. What if they're a vampire? He said, what if they're a vampire? And we said, we don't think we're going to find any space vampires in here. First of all, just listen how 1960s that sounds. We're in the future. So a, something like a space vampire feels like it was conceived mid-20th century. They were way beyond that. Uh, 
So you wouldn't be able to conveniently describe the kind of alien thing that we might, we might encounter. And first of all, listen, we're the aliens. They are us. We're invading this cave. Who knows? We're going to come up uh, on somebody, maybe, and they're going to say, scream and say there's aliens or they might destroy us with a weapon and then go, oh my God, I almost got killed by aliens, but I, you know, I was lucky enough to kill them first. Not lucky for us. So a lot of times what we'll do when we, when we travel is we will project holograms in front of us a few feet. And so if we walk into a room or something and we were fired upon, it's the hologram we don't get destroyed. So I've, I've done this now in my regular life, and you might incorporate this into your regular life, is to project a hologram a few feet in front of you. Now I'm kind of dependent on it. I do it even socially. I'll send the hologram into a party. I'm going, to see how it goes first before I go in there physically. And, but, you know, it used to be just a safety thing, and you do. You get, you know, start wanting to send the hologram instead of you. You know who that is. Now, we were warned about something like that on the Flintstones because this happened to Fred Flintstone. He was, um, he was visited by Harvey Corman. I, I forget what the character's name was. Let's just call it little Harvey Corman, little green Harvey Corman. Horrible little troll-looking thing. Gazoo, that was the name, Harvey Gazoo. And he would say, dum-dum, like that. And um, he was doing it, it was Harvey Corman, but he was doing another character actor's voice. And that's something. He was doing that, that fella from, from Jack Benny. <laughs> so anyway, Gazoo goes on and gives Fred a robot so Fred can be in two places at once because, you know, Fred wants to go bowling with his uh, the, the people that wear the weird hats. He wears some weird fur hats with horns. And um, they look, they, what they look like is they look like they're guarding the royal palace. But then they've got horns, too. I don't know what that's about. It's so Maurice Sendak designed the palace guard hat. And he put some crazy horns. And, uh, but he also had to be at work, I think, because he was now an executive. I'm only half remembering this Flintstones episode. So he was able to be in two places at once and use the robot. Now we are becoming dependent on the same kind of robots. Even though the Flintstones warned us against this, they said don't become dependent on the following things. Holograms that projected in front of you. AI. To specifically use those, I know it was strange way back then for Barney AI. Well, I forget who said it. Barney or Fred could have said it. Mr. Slate, um, and uh, robots. Robots. Now, robots show up on a lot. When I was young, robots were on a lot of shows. And a lot of times they would use the same robot, Robbie Robot. He'd be, sometimes he'd be bad, sometimes he'd be good. He made his screen debut, I believe, in Forbidden Planet or Forbidden World or Forbidden World of Planets. Forbidden Invasion of the Forbidden World Planets. I don't care. And then he went on to be in, uh, correct me if I'm right. That's my, that's my internet expression. But I believe also um, Lost in Space, which opened with the famous catchphrase, I said lunch, not launch. And, and there you go. And that was all because of, a lot of it was because of robots. Now, as we walked into the cave, we absolutely froze in our tracks because we began to hear music. An eerie, strange music came through, echoing through the cave. It sounded like it was in the, in the far distance, but we, we heard it. You know how you can hear music even if it's very far away, especially in a cave, and it amplifies it. Who knows where it was? It could be a mile away, two miles in the cave, but we heard it very softly. can't do it <laughs> how would you do it how would you even do it i guess i could play some music and then turn down the volume really low but it's just not the same because it kind of comes in and, that, and then you doubt yourself you go is that music is that wind it could be wind you know they have these instruments called wind instruments they literally are called that and you use 
wind. They have wood winds. They have brass winds, wind, wind. You can blow on a violin if you want, really anything. You can play any instrument just by licking it. Did you know that? Now, you're not going to get a traditional sound out of it unless it's a banjo. I've heard people uh, tongue a banjo like they're doing claw hammer. But you can do it on a lot of other instruments, and it's just as effective. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, Rasan Roland Kirk stuck everything. He had things up his nose and his ears. He would stick two clarinets in his ears, jam them in all down, right down to the bone. And then... Um, and then he would like puff up like that and he'd play those but it, not even the same note he would play uh intervals you know he would play chords because no matter you know see how many orifices do you have that depends on how complicated the chord is but a lot of times you can you play many many notes at once people can sing them you know we have on the on the spaceship we have a throat singing night where we all get together and um we throat sing some stuff. We do duets with ourselves. That's, um, I'm just warming up. I'm, I usually do, um, I usually do the, Mary Tyler Moore theme because it was taught to me by a monk. And uh, that was not, I mean, that's a very, very ancient melody that they used for that show. Very, very old. And um, the Mary Tyler Moore show, this is an interesting fact. I don't know if a lot of you know this, is actually based uh, on the life of Alexandra David Neal. And uh, she, uh, you probably know who she is. She, was a, a Tibetan monk and, uh, and a woman and traveled uh, to Tibet in the, the 20s and 30s. And she lived into her, her 100s and died in Switzerland in 19... I don't remember. My crew members looked at me. Are you drinking water, they asked? Yes, I'm taking a sip of water. We're walking around. I'm supposed to stay hydrated. Listen. You all have these things on your wrists, and they all turned them up. They looked at them, and they said, this is to help you uh, figure out whether you're staying hydrated or not. And you all have not been using them. And all you have to do is log in how much water you drink. And uh, I won't get this complaint that you're halfway through the landing party, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm so headachy. Yeah, because we're going through different pressures and environments and all. And if you don't have any water in you, what do you think is going to happen? And I am so sick of us having to stop and have you do the take the treatment pills. So everybody just take little sips out of your water bottles. That's fine. I know that some of you, it's the sound I know that you don't like. You, you're sensitive to it and you, the slurpy sound. And it isn't pleasant, but it's just something that we have to do as humans. And I know not everybody on this landing party might be human. They are today. Um with the exception of Don, who is kind of a house, but I won't tell you what. So he's still a house, but we've managed to put him in uh, another form that doesn't look like the original Don, so it's confusing for us, but it's really Don, and it sounds like Don. And the, the Don that's a house, of course, can't move. What are you talking about? These are things that go way back before this show even started. Because I know a lot of you listen to the story and they think, do you have to know anything to watch this or listen to this show and this uh, space show? Any background? No, they're all standalone. All the adventures are standalone. If there's references in them to stuff that happened in the past, um, a lot of it's just backstory we like to throw in. It's just made up. We're not even consistent with it. So one one day... Butchie might be a lieutenant the next day, an ensign. We don't even care because if we don't remember, we'll forget the name of a planet. Sometimes in the Star Trek tradition, everything is named after just something Jewish, like a Jewish religious thing. That's very Star Trek. And um, that's, I guess that's the only rules. Everything else is just 
free, it's free form, free form space exploration. And you would say, if you have access to space, why are you in a cave? It seems so funny that if you have this environment that has no walls, no roof, that has no up, no down, that's just vast expanse of nothing until there's giant cauldrons of fire, an unbelievably hot raging fire that is fiercer than anything in the universe, that burns at temperatures that consume planets, that consume the very elements of the universe, and they forge them into something different. They crush time within their... That's how hot they are. But a lot of it is just space. Well, if you have all that, why would you go into a cave? Because it's cozy. Just think about what you said. Listen to your words. There's just too much. The universe is too vast. And so we like to do the equivalent of getting under the covers, pulling a blanket over our head. That's why we're journeying into this cave. Also, the reason that we landed on this planet is we got a sort of semi-distress signal. Um... So I don't know. We don't know if it was a distress signal or like a, a promo for a, a concert. And you're saying, well, how could you be confused? Well, you know, a lot of the times these advertising campaigns will use these kind of teaser things. You know, there'll be billboards that say, you know, I hate, and it'll be a name. And you go, oh, I'm resisting the urge to look that person up. Publicity hound. And you're supposed to be curious and say, I'm going to look that up and see who who that is and what's going on. Boy, that is just, I've got my curiosity going. Well, we don't have that, you know. Uh, we're actually not very, very curious as explorers. The minute I said that, the music stopped. Don said, did you hear the music stopped? Lou said, the music stopped? But you said, it started again, and he was right. And so we walked towards the music. And this time we knew it really was music. It started to get a little louder and a little louder. And then we could even tell what kind of music it was. It was sort of like kind of 20s jazz. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what, hot fives and sevens or something? Sound like, it sounded like uh, uh, Louis Armstrong. And we thought, well, Louis Armstrong can't be. What kind of New Orleans nonsense is going on in this cave? This can't be. And then we start hearing a little more. We said, well, no, wait, 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 wait. I don't know this normally. It sounds a little more like klezmer because we heard a very, very prominent clarinet. And then we all started thinking, is it an ear clarinet or normal? But we thought, I don't know. And we got closer and it got louder. And then we could, we could identify some of, the, uh, some of the tunes were recognizable as very familiar uh, uh, klezmer tunes, like um, um, the oh, uh, Shush, the mother-in-law comes, is one of them, uh, and uh, and then it stopped, and we didn't know why there was silence, and we walked on a little further, and nothing happened to our hologram, so we walked into the largest part of the cave, and we got into that. The ceiling was unbelievably tall. It looked like a cathedral. I think it was a cathedral. It was like an old church in there. It was even decorated like a church. There were pews, and they seemed to be carved out of stone, but they looked like wood. Everything was made of stone, even if its corollary was something that's normally wood or gold or glass. But this wasn't glass. It was stone made to look like glass. It was wood made to look like wood, stone, wood. I mean, it was stone made to look like other things. And we couldn't believe our eyes, but what we didn't see were any people. And that was very curious. And then we heard a voice. Welcome. Like that. And we looked up, and on the altar, where if this was a church, where the priest or the preacher or somebody would stand or maybe the bar mitzvah maybe the uh the synagogue or the reform temple maybe they're undergoing reservation uh, renovations because they probably had maybe they had a mold problem they had a mold problem and so they couldn't meet there and so 
a another congregation, like a Protestant congregation, it's probably Unitarian or something, said, hey, you're very welcome to use our big stone cave church. And so maybe that's what was going on. So we saw a, a figure up there, and so it could, could be a bar mitzvah. We don't know what's going on. And we walked closer, and there was an individual, and we said, hello, we are a landing party from the SS, that spaceship, from the spaceship Power Walk. Now, you're wondering why that's a stupid name for a spaceship. Well, don't vote on your spaceship names. Because what happened is, is a couple of us were on a fitness kick, and we were really into power walking, and we were using power walking as this metaphor for everything, you know? We'd say, you just, you increase your stride or your speed, that's how you adjust how fast you're going or how much better you're getting, it's all up to you. Um, you use time and, and distance and effort all together in different combinations to get where you want to go and to get what you need and want. And so we were so obsessed with it. Before that, it was archery. So it could have been the SS archery. So we're the SS power walk. Yes, I am its captain, uh, self-appointed, so it's meaningless. Uh, this is my uh, first, uh, I don't know what you do exactly, Butchie. He does most everything that isn't driving. Lou over here drives, Mr. Lou. And then my comm officer, that's short for communication because that's a mouthful of a word. So we just say comm officer or comm or, comm or commie, we call him, is Don. And uh, so he might be. Uh, speaking to you because I'm never sure when we're speaking to an alien whether that comes under his responsibilities or whether I'm, you know, because he's a communications officer. Maybe he's supposed to be communications, but a lot of times, like in government, communication officer basically just puts out press releases. So, and here, he's kind of a radio person. I don't know what we are. I don't know whether we're political or whether we're military or whether some kind of both, I've been just acting like we're a church youth group, and I guess that's gonna that's fine. But with uniforms, there's nothing wrong with uniforms. Uniforms can be liberating, you know, because then you don't have to worry about what you're gonna wear and everything. And then there just could be a competition. There's like an underwear competition. Uh, you know, well, what kind of underwear are you wearing? I'm wearing silk underwear. I made it out of a silk pillowcase, which I had access to, and then I made a couple pairs, and they're not form fitting which is nice because then there's lots of movement. The silk is moving around. It's just, it's rippling like waves. It's lovely. It's really nice. And uh, that's why I'm always in a, in a good mood. Silence, said the voice. You speak too much. Yes, you've noticed. I responded. Everybody got ready, put their hands on their phasers, sort of. I said, no, come on, you guys. I don't think this person is any threat. And then they shot me, shot me dead. They shot me so dead, I guess with a laser or something, a phaser. Shot me right in the head, blew my head off, right off. And, uh, I mean, my first thought was, oh, dang, you know. But thank goodness it was my hologram. And uh, we ducked. And we said, what are you doing? And the figure said, you have interfered here. You have desecrated this holy space. I am Belubis. I am the god of this planet. And this is where they come to worship me. Silence. We didn't say anything. Silence. I knew you would. And I'm silencing the future thing you say. Silence. Silence. We still haven't said anything. There you did. That's the one I'm silencing. That's, that was it. Now, I'm going to talk. Are y'all done talking? Said the voice from the altar. I'm going to explain everything about this the planet right now and how I became a god when I'm really just a, I'm a robot. I'm not a literal robot. But I'm going to explain. Are you? Don't say anything. I know you're ready. Here goes. There used to be an ancient civilization here, and they got on just fine. Everything was just 
fun. Everybody had different responsibilities and everything. Some people would wash the cave. Some people would go outside of the cave and get fruit. There were all kind of fruit trees around, just groves and groves of a lot of times stone fruit like plums and other stone fruit. I can't, what can I think of any? Apricots, plum, plum, uh, pluots, okay? Um, nectarines? Nectarines, peaches. Um, I feel like that's all they had. Oh, that's too bad. And then we, uh, we would gather those fruit, but everybody had a different job. And we just lived in this. Some people were musicians, as you have heard. They were all klezmer musicians, though, because we depend on getting ideas for music from the distant stars. And so we have to wait until the broadcasts from some distant planet come in, and then we hear them, and, you know, uh, and then we'll know we have ideas for our music. And so that's where we are now. We're kind of like, oh, I'm thinking 30s, like 30s klezmer or something like that. Um, and, but then, here's what happened. So the civilization's just chugging along just, just fine. Like I said, some people build cabins. Some people sell um, shrimp chips. Those, uh, isn't that crazy? But those are they're popular. Um, all kinds, a lot of chips that have very alien flavors that we're not used to on our planet. Some based on seafood and other things they find in the cave, little things under rocks. They don't eat the thing, but they'll, they'll flavor a chip with it. I guess we do that with slugs and things like that. People don't really eat slugs, but they'll go get a chip that's slug-flavored. Or slug and jalapeno is good. A friend brought over cherry jalapeno dip the other day, and I was really reluctant to try it. And then I did, and um, I only gagged a little bit. It was only slightly. only gagged a little, and, uh, but it was, it was different than what I thought. I thought it was going to be repulsive, and it was simply disgusting. Then they wanted, though, some sort of, I don't know how to describe it, purpose. They wanted to rally around something, even though they didn't need to. You know, everybody was fine. They didn't need to sort of direct their energies to something. They said, but we need like a, like a king or a king robot or some kind of robot master or something. And then that might, maybe that'll free us from doing all these things. And then we can spend our days just uh, whiling away the time. And the robot master will do all these things for us. So they created me, the person telling the story who's on the altar. I, I should have used different voices and I kind of did when I started. But you know, when you're reading, said that voice on the altar, whose name I already forgot, Baboozle or Bamboozle or something. I should have used, when I was using things like Verhofta and Tefillin, I remembered it, so I should do that. Let me, let me rename him. Hang on just a minute. Let me think of something. Um, I'm trying to think of something relatively uh, obscure. Um, um, let's see. Is there a little, is there an item or something or something uh, weird? Um, Mezuzah's too obvious. Um, I'll, I'll think of something. He doesn't know his name right now. Me, the person speaking. He forgets it because that's the thing. The robot is starting to malfunction. So they made me, they made a god, basically. They made a god leader. And everything off. Then he, I, somehow I destroyed everyone. And I don't remember exactly how I did it because I'm not a very good robot. That's the thing. Don't make a crappy robot that's going to destroy your civilization. That's one of the first things you learn traveling the cosmos. First things you learn. And um, you learn the star S word that we're all that. And then you learn, you know, that people make really dumb decisions. A lot of them we see in the Bible, in the book of Samuel, the same kind of thing. People go, oh, I'm tired of having judges and complex laws and everything. I'm tired of examining, you know, right and wrong. Can't we just have a dictator like a king who would just tell us what to do and all that kind of thing? That's all in the, in the Bible, which a lot, of, a lot of science fiction is based on. Isn't that funny? You don't really need a lot of the future 
is the past, but with silver clothing. It's that easy. Shaved heads and, and, and shiny jumpsuits. And it's, but it's the same people doing the same crazy thing, same foolishness. Oh, that's what is abundant. There's a couple of things that are abundant in the universe. Hydrogen and foolishness. And I don't know why that is. It's just so, I guess it's a fear. Fear is everywhere. Oh, fear is the background radiation in the whole universe. Because fear is pretty good at keeping you alive. And staying alive seems to want to be one of the prime directives. And so you think, well, I will use this fear. If I just use fear, it will keep me alive. But will it? Fear is salt water. It seems like it will keep you alive. It seems like it will take care of your thirst, that it will suffice to motivate you to keep living. But let me tell you, it never does that. All it does, it desiccates you. All it does is it robs you of the real moisture that you need to live. You need the pure water. And what is that? It's not fear, is it? What should motivate you? Well, I'll get to that at the end because I want you, I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you how to buy some and how to join up. And so get your credit cards ready for the answer to all, no, it's going to be love or something like that. I'll get there, though. Let's just say love as a placeholder is the actual uh, water uh, that will, that will, keep you motivate your living and so and also the joy i'm gonna bring you i'm gonna bring you some joy you taste it you sample it you feel it you uh you roll around in it and then tell me if that is also a good um a good option for you whether say oh, i'd like to say maybe joy is a better option than fear for me and we'll we'll see now if i was a newscaster or something if i was in the business of selling information Oh, I would pick the most fearful stuff. Yes, I would. And the wonderful thing about it, like I said, you can keep you can keep drinking it and it just makes you thirstier. It just makes you more fearful fear. So when we travel to other planets, we always bring our love phaser. Now, I'm not going to aim a machine at somebody to convert their heart and to, to soften their heart or to open their mind. So what I did is I stood up, even though I, I knew that this uh, robot god was going to blast me with a laser or try to. So I stood up and I said, I want to ask you something. And again, he killed me, but that was my hologram. Then I stood up and I said, stop. No more killing. No more fear. All the people that lived here are gone now. It's just you. You don't have to uh, keep acting out their directive. They're gone. You are liberated now. You are no longer the God King of these fearful creatures. You are now independent. This place is uninhabited. It's just us, and we are a group of equals. I thought you said you were their captain. I'm uh, their captain. And it's just a joke title. And really, I'm a big joke. And they kind of made me the, the captain, ironically, because I'm the least able. And so they thought that would be funny. And it just feels like it balances out better that way, you know, so that the people that do have the big egos, they have to put them down a little bit, and the people that don't, they have to bring them up a little bit, so everything is combined, so we have a nice uh, balance. And we all have these shirts on with a picture of who we think was Heraclitus. So we don't know, uh, that's just kind of a thing we do, but that doesn't have much to do with our, our mission of love and joy and peace, which we bring to you. And I'm saying right now, get... All those people are gone, robot friend. Come on, step down off of that. Come over here. Come over here. And he did. He walked towards us. And we said, look, you know, I understand the pressure that comes from the group. Yeah, yeah we got it too. We got it too. But 
I have to remind you that any obligation that you have to others, even if it's noble, is impossible to fulfill if you do not fulfill the obligation to yourself, to your wholeness, to your uh, fulfillment, to your survival. We want that. We want you to be healthy and centered, whatever you need, at, le at the very least at peace. We will work towards helping you do that. And you help us achieve the same goals. And we all help one another like that. And then we're less of a threat to one another and others. Would you like to be in on that? Yes, I would, he said. And we all, we all laughed. And then he said, wait till you see what's in the other caves. So he led us into the back and we thought, oh, this is the narthex. And then Lou said, no, I think the narthex is the front part. And I go, what's this part called? And he said, the back. I don't know if that's true. So we went back there and, um, and back there, I thought there was going to be a lot of stuff for services and you know how it is like that. But there was, a, there was two things. One, a giant organ. Not like a human, like, not like a heart or a liver. I mean the instrument. Oh, a beautiful big or organ, just like at Wanamaker's. It was something else. And uh, he said, don't, don't touch that. That's not what we're here to see. And we went back in a, another room, and it was a break room. Oh, it wasn't very big, but it was a proper break room with a microwave. We hadn't seen anything like that in a long time. There was a fridge, an um, American-sized fridge. There was a, a sink, a, little ta a couple of little tables. There was, uh, I think, just like a little, a little television, too. I don't know if I got anything because we're in a cave. But um, how fun. And we all had a snack together. And they had, they had drinks and everything. And a lot, this is, so, this is kind of sad, though. A lot of the stuff in the fridge still had labels on it that's, that would say, like, you know, this is Doug's, don't touch. And they were all long gone. And the food was fine, though. I don't know how long the civilization had been gone. That wasn't clear. I think maybe only mere minutes before we got there. So it could have been all. This could have been super fresh. Because, like I said, the food wasn't bad yet. Boy, I hope everybody is gone. Because if I'm just raiding somebody's break room like this, and they start walking in, and this, this robot has played some kind of... They'll be like, that's not our god robot. That's our janitor robot playing a joke on you fools. And then you ate my lasagna. Because that's happened. But I don't think that's what's going on there. I think that really this whole civilization is gone and, and we're all who remains. After visiting for a while and gathering some data and writing some things down, we said goodbye to the robot king. And we said, are you going to be all right here by yourself? Would you like to come back to the ship? He said, no, listen, that, that ship life isn't for me. I'm more, you know, want to stay put. Maybe other people will visit here and we can start some kind of civilization together because I still have all the knowledge of the last one. So I know all the kind of, all the names of all the colors of all their towels and things like that. I know a bunch of soups, how to make soup. So when they do come back, I have, I'm a repository of all the knowledge. And then for no reason, what she yelled, suppository. And we laughed. I don't even know why we laughed. It wasn't funny. It's was just a butt. It's like, I got to make a butt joke. That's okay. Hey, man, it takes all kinds. There are all kinds of people out there. And you're one, and I'm one, and we're all on this wonderful spaceship. So we all went back and we beamed up. And we get there and vomit. The vomiting goes on for a half hour. That's all cut out of any shows you see. But after that thing, there's just, oh, just really, you wretch. And I've had, I've tried the patch. They'll give you a patch. They'll say, well, this, this is the um, transporter patch, and it makes it a little bit easier, but it doesn't for me. Every, every single time, um, I get really, 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 really sick. So the landing party for me is no, you know, it's no joke. It's something I, I don't do lightly. Came back, um, went through the, all the data, 
uh, what do we do after that? And then we, um, we might have eaten again. I know that I said that, oh, I know what I did. I, trade, I, did, I traded shifts with somebody. I said, can you, because I was whooped, man, after that. I said, I need, a, I need like a rest day. Could you take the helm? And we have a couple people that can do that that are just fine. Um, the one person that uh, normally works on, on crafts, they, um, they could do it. Anybody can do it. See, that's the thing. It takes nothing. You just have to sit there. All the technical stuff is done by people who know what they're doing. And it's just really a figure. I'm kind of a figurehead. I don't mind that. I, I love that in a way. Listen, I feel like that with them. Maybe I'm that way in your life. You know, I'm not certainly not the smartest person in your life if I'm in it. And I'm not the wisest person in your life. And I'm not the most creative person in your life. And I'm not the most interesting person in your life am i the most loving person in your life no am i the person who provides you the most joy no i am not that am i the person that inspires you am i the person that gets you going that gets you pepped up and ready to take on the world no that's not me who am i i am here as an example of an ordinary human being who has been called to do less than ordinary things in a very, very standard, ordinary fashion as a way of saying, hey, aren't we all just what we are? And that can be magnificent if your standards are low or it can be awful and disappointing if you have very high standards. All you have to do is adjust your perception. Listen, it's just like the zoom camera on our spaceship. Sometimes a you can see things a little too closely. Sometimes they're too far away, and you say, can't there just be some kind of perspective? Well, that perspective might be um, the product of a journey. You might have to walk a little closer to that strange spaceship to get a look at it, or you might have to take a few steps back to get a bigger picture to see what's really going on. But you got to move. you got to move around. You have to engage with your world and your universe. You have to understand that it is, like Heraclitus's stream, always changing. You think you know the river. Well, you don't. You know the river that you saw the one time. Every time you go back, it's different. Every time you wake up in the morning, you wake up into a different world, and you are a different person. It doesn't just feel like that. Sometimes I wake up and I think, oh my gosh, this feels so strange and different. That's because it is it is not the same world that you went to sleep in. Events have happened. People have been born. People have died. The planet has moved. The solar system has moved. Everything is moving constantly. It's never where it once was. We are all careening through this wonderful life. Oh, my goodness, if I'm floating and flying like that, like I've been thrown, like I'm a rock that's been thrown. I've been skipped across the pond. I've been thrown into the air. And now I'm going up, and now I'm coming back down there. Oh, but what has propelled me? What has made me fly through time? What is making me fly through space? It's our ship, oh yeah, oh, it's our ship, <laughs> and I want to say I'm in the stars, I'm going to say you're in the stars too, I want to say we're flying, <gasps> I'm not really, I wish I could improvise gospel, that is something that I long to do, and I have taken some courses in improvising uh, gospel songs. And they, um, they, they say, start with a song that you know. And um, I started with, uh, come and lock on my door, come and knock on my door, take a step that is new, take a step that is new, don't there only be hers and hers and his, three's company too, three's company too. And uh, I do a gospel version of that. And a lot of other uh, TV shows whose themes are based on you know, traditional religious songs, like I said, Mary Tyler Moore and, and others. Oh my goodness, I'm so, I'm ecstatic to be traveling the universe with you. We're on the same crew. This is our 
our undertaking. No, our enterprise. No, our power walk through life. Yes, and you're a crew member and a very important one. You're the head of a whole department. Department of you. No, it really is not. It is, though. Come on. It is important. This is a fabulous adventure. It's sometimes it seems banal. But, you know, it's, not, it's absurd. That's not banal. So that's wonderful. Embrace the absurdity. Look at that. Crazy is exciting. You just have to banish fear. Say, wow, this is endlessly entertaining. In a macabre sort of way, you know. But uh, also, there's wonderful, light, beautiful things that happen. I'm struck by the beauty all the time. Go on. If you never get bad enough, go look at puppies online or something. But there's plenty of things that can lift you up. And interacting with uh, like-minded friends like we do here, that's just the best. I've had so much fun going on an adventure with you. Have you had fun? Have you had, has it been interesting? Have it, is it different than something else that you've listened to recently? Yes. There you go. Bam, then. I don't have to be better. I just want to be different. I just don't want to be redundant. You know, if you've had something before, I don't have to give you a gourmet anything, but just have you had anything this flavor before? Woo, no. Then there you go. I'm cherry jalapeno. Just try it at least. Maybe good. Maybe you like it. And maybe you don't. But I know that sometimes just being with others, even if they're annoying, can be nice. Don't you have friends like that? You must. I feel like I'm that friend to a lot of people. Well, Hardy's kind of annoying, but man, I'm lonely. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We're all, nobody's a walk in the picnic park. No one's, no one's picnicking in the walk park. You know what we're not? You know what we aren't? None of us? Easy. So, I don't mind. And I know that we're all complex. And I love being complex and confusing right along with you. Oh, my goodness. I can't inspire you really with anything except absurdity that's the only thing i feel comfortable doing is just changing gears constantly i'd like to think it's like a it's like a puppet show it's like you start watching punch and judy and then in the middle of it the puppeteer takes off the puppet you still see the hand and just puts an entirely different puppet on and keeps going without any explanation or any change in character and then does it again and then sticks his head up for a while and then rubs fruit on his face none of this has any explanation at all. It all purports to be a Punch and Judy show. But it's not. The only thing is it's got a, uh, what do you call those whistles or drizzles? I want to make one, but I don't want to swallow it. It's uh, to do the Punch and Judy voice, and it's basically like a little um, kazoo that you stick like in the back of your mouth. And I don't want to do that because that I feel like I'd choke on it. What a horrible way to die. You know, oh, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> Nobody wants to. The kids will laugh. They laugh at that part. Yay, that was funny. Do it again. Um, go home, children. I, um, I choked on my swazzle. So I'm so glad to be with you. Oh, my goodness. And we're both here today and experience and joy with one another on Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online worldwide, WFMU.org, Freeform Radio, the way it was formed to be free. And oh my goodness, I thank you for being with me, and I will see you again next week.
Thank you. 